podcast lovers, academics, aficionados, and producers. This is New Oral Cultures. Welcome to New Oral Cultures. I'm Dario Linares. The role of the early career researcher is absolutely fundamental to the emergence and future development of podcast studies. And today I'm really delighted to be joined by two such scholars whose own research is expanding the horizons of how podcasting is being theorized and analyzed and who are providing organization, leadership and support for other early career researchers in podcasting, particularly in light of their recent organization of an international graduate symposium on emerging research in podcasting. Studies. So, welcome very much to Alan Iuritz and Jeff Donison. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, Alan, first of all, it's great to finally get you on the show. Obviously, we, you know, we've worked together on the on our recent publication of the Participations Journal, which you were very much the the driving force on. So, congratulations on that. And obviously, you've completed your your PhD, but not quite. I have not quite. I've turned it in. Um, and I'll be having my defense probably sometime next month, but they're not exactly telling me when. So I'm I'm almost done with my PhD. Right, you're al- almost there. So it's, I mean, it's obviously whenever you t- speak to somebody who's who's at that final stage, there are you know kind of nerves, excitement, all of how you're feeling about uh, that that coming up now. And it's a slightly different process, isn't it, in Germany than it is say in the UK or America? I don't know because I haven't done a PhD in the UK or America. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I know I don't have to do comps, which you have to do in the U.S., and I'm very glad I don't have to do that. I think, Jeff, you have to, do you have to do comps? Yeah, we had comprehensive exams uh, after our second year. Yeah, so real glad I don't have to do that. But um, right now, my, my dissertation has to sit in an office for three weeks while everybody who has done their two PhDs can look at it, but I cannot. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's where that is. There definitely isn't that system in, in the UK where, you know, it just gets sent, sent off to an external and an internal and you have your have your viva. But I mean, is, has it been even more tricky over the last year and a bit with everything that's gone on, getting it to completion? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, there are good things and bad things. I feel a, a friend of mine finished because we have to do, we have the two kind of dissertations in Germany and they finished their second right before lockdown, which seems like worse to me because there is something kind of like, all right, now I'm just going to finish the dissertation where you are kind of in a self-imposed lockdown. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't really like, well, I was trying to finish the dissertation. I wasn't really like going out and partying or anything anyway. So it didn't quarantine and stuff you know, it was compatible. Whereas for him, he was like, all right, I'm finally done. I'm going to go out and do things. And then like, all of a sudden everything stopped. So I think that would be a much worse situation than mine. Yeah. And what's the, um, I mean, without, without sort of preempting the, the, you know, the defense to come or anything like that, what's the sort of overall subject of the, of the dissertation? Um, Well, I study I mean, I study obviously podcasting. I study intimacy in podcasting. Um, and so I look at intimacy as a self-description within podcasting. So I'm not like doing something, I'm not, I'm doing more, something more kind of similar to discourse analysis than I am doing a phenomenological approach to intimacy. And so I'm looking at how podcasting, people involved with podcasting construct intimacy and what that means. And then I'm from 
those self-descriptions, I'm trying to create a definition of intimacy or a framework for that, that we can then use as a tool to study how podcasting works as a medium. So that's the, that's the dissertation. Um, it's going to be the book. And I think it's, you know, it's absolutely on message is the wrong phrase, but, you know, completely relevant in, in terms of the idea of, of intimacy being used almost conceptually, but really it's kind of offhand and a little bit ambiguous. And I think, you know, obviously you've, you've, been, you've been working through that and, you know, in some of the, the, the panels and the uh, discussions we've had remotely with the pod, podcast academics group, you know, that definitely has come to the fore, this sort of uh, ambiguity when it comes to what intimacy is. Do you feel like you've gotten somewhere with that? I, well, you've nearly finished now, so you must have done. Yeah. <laughs> At least I say I do. No, I think I have. I mean, I think I don't think that pod, podcasting intimacy. I don't think that intimacy is ambiguous. I think that it means a lot of different kinds of things, and sometimes those things can be contradictory. But it, a lot of people describe media as in, intimate, and not just sound media, although. It's very much in sound media, um, but not just sound media. They describe media as intimate because intimacy itself is so evocative. Um, if I say it, it, there is just like this effective response um, and this feeling of understanding. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why intimacy is so evocative as a word is because it has all of these different meanings and that some of those meanings are contradictory and that they're involved in different parts of people's lives. Um, and so when it comes to how people talk about intimacy in podcasting, it's kind of interesting to see how they're taking intimacy and what it means in different contexts and applying that to their media experience with podcasting. So like how people relate to their families maybe or in romantic relationships um, and things like that and using those kinds of things to interpret their experiences through podcasts. Fantastic. Yeah, sounds absolutely absolutely great and just what, what's needed. Um, so Jeff, welcome to you as well. I know we've had kind of, we've seen each other on these Zoom calls uh, at various times. We haven't sort of spoken directly really before, before although I have, you know, read your piece that um, you published in that, in the, the journal. Um, maybe you could uh, let us know where, where you are with your research and how it's been going in the last period of time. Yeah, so I'm researching right now in Toronto at York University. Um, I'm currently in my third year PhD, so I'm not as close to finished as Alan is, but uh, yeah, at this point, I'm starting my, my data analysis for my research. Um, I'm specifically looking at uh, racial and ethnic minority podcast production. So how are you know, marginalized publics using podcasting to voice themselves and represent their communities, um, especially because we think you know, oftentimes of podcasting and the internet kind of as this democratic medium. Sure. Um, I'm kind of interested to see, does podcasting, uh, you know, for these marginalized groups, does it offer that, you know, platform to, to voice themselves? Um, so I'm looking at that in a Canadian context, while I'm also interested in how can we use audio to decolonize oppressive history? So when we think of, you know, how are nations or countries built on myth or these stories that are often very, you know, at least in Canada, very Eurocentric? How can we use podcasting as a way to contest these ideas or these myths and look at alternative narratives or these narratives that maybe um, represent the people that actually live in Canada? Sure. And 
How did the subject area, when you're talking about things like marginalized voices and a nation and identity and all of those kind of things. So if we, if we call that the thematic aspect, was it always intertwined with the podcasting element or did you kind of bring them together? Like you had an interest in podcasting and then here's this kind of academic interest and then you saw some, some way of kind of bridging the two. Yeah, well, it, it really was, you know, I it was kind of a reflection that I lots of the podcasts I was listening to, it was kind of that, you know, when we when we look at like the, the research in podcasting, lots of times we see it's like the white male. And I realized lots of the podcasts I was listening to followed this kind of uh, this line, right? So I thought, well, what are um, other groups producing in podcasting? And when I started to look further into this, I realized, especially in a Canadian context, there's not a whole lot of Canadian podcasts that are popular, let's say globally, um, but you know nationally it's starting to become a popular, uh, a popular medium. So uh, one of the main ones is obviously the Canada's national broadcaster CBC is producing a lot of these podcasts for marginalized publics. So you know my interest in it kind of fell in what was missing from popular listening, and then when I looked at that. I thought, well, this is actually a really great space for, you know, people to voice themselves and really to to represent themselves in ways that mainstream media, for example, don't represent these groups. Um, so that's really how I kind of fell into it. So I definitely want to talk about that a little bit later on when we come to the the, the second piece of of tape that we've got from the uh, the conference. So maybe maybe we can you could start by telling us about that. I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously, you've worked together in organizing the this conference, which is a little bit a little while ago now. So you have to rack your memories, uh, maybe. But was this something that came out of the early career researcher network that sort of evolved as part of our pod academics group, and it was just a, a sort of natural evolution of the of the conversations there? Let's see. We we were well, Anne and Korfmacher put together that list, and we had our like our first meeting, um, and we were just like. Anna is really good at organizing a meeting. So it was just like this really <laughs> great on point meeting. And we were like, you know what? We should, I really just want to know what other people's research is. Um, and so people were talking about that. We need like to have time to just like sit around and explain what in general we're working on. And so, so then we're like, oh, well, we should just have a get together and talk about it. And then like, oh, I know, we'll call it a symposium and then we can put it on our CV. And then like, um, and then it just got like increasingly bigger and more formal as it went on. Um, so the idea for the symposium was a really kind of relaxed thing just out of this conversation of getting to know other people who are starting projects on podcasting and are really excited about it and want to talk about it. And then, you know, it just like, it was an idea from the group. And then it was like, who wants to organize it? And then Jeff and I were like, sure, we'll organize it. And then it just kind of got more and more formal as we went along. Um, and we put out the call for papers and we got people who weren't involved in that original meeting. And so then it became, it went from like this excuse, uh, yeah, sure, we'll call it a symposium, um, to an actual organized and I think very successful symposium with um, a lot of people like you were there, Lori, like a lot of people quite established in podcast studies coming. And yeah, so that's that's the story of the symposium. 
Right. And and Jeff, was, was were there particular challenges in terms of, you know, setting it up technically? Because obviously it was, it was a remote, there's people all over the world. Would you have sort of, you know, there's always concerns with where people are in terms of uh, um, time zones and all that kind of thing. And then organizing the different panels and the, the, the subject areas, because sometimes there's people, you know, it's like I, I, I'm over here or not over there and those kinds of discussions. Yeah, the I'd say the biggest if you want to call it an issue, I guess, was trying to figure out how can we have panels where everyone can attend and not have, you know, two panels at once because we wanted people to be able to listen to everyone else speak. Um, So when it came to organizing it, I mean, one thing is time zones. And then it's also how can we put these people into themes that correlate, right? Um, And because everyone kind of had a different approach to podcasting and research, trying to do the time and the themes. But was what was really nice was that, um, you know, it wasn't something where, you know, you were expected to stay there the whole day. And obviously it was free. So people were able to come and leave when they wanted to, which, you know, being at other symposiums and conferences during the pandemic, the ability to be able to attend and leave whenever you want to because of your time zone has been really beneficial. Um, So there weren't really many issues, but, you know, once everything was organized time zone wise, because podcast studies is so global, it was really easy from from then on. Yeah. And was there a, I know, Alan, you said before about the, you know, just wanting it to be a conversation and find out where, you know, what people were doing. And it seemed to me that it it did achieve that because, I mean, one of the nice things I think with early career researcher events is that, you know, you don't have to worry about kind of big keynotes and, uh, you know, academic divas and that, well, hopefully you don't anyway. And and it it seemed to me that there was, you know, a real sense of of kind of sharing and conversation that was going on at, at the symposium. I mean, was that, was that kind of, of gratifying to know that that's how it came out in the end yeah i think that i think the thing that worked well is that we having like um we had the presentations rather short and then we had a longer discussion time and i think that that worked well um to kind of get that conversation going you know and then people connecting through other media like on discord channels or through twitter and things like that yeah, I've, of course. The only the only other conference that I've organized was the other podcast, the podcasting poetics conference, and you, Richard, and Lori were the keynotes, and none of you were divas. So maybe, <laughs> well, maybe thanks for saying like, that. Podcast academia is just like this really lovely corner of academia where I don't have to deal with that, um, and because that that was also kind of a really fun conversational kind of conference. But it, you know, like this was even my first time going to an online conference. So I wasn't sure how to do that. But yeah, the hardest thing was finding finding times that worked for everybody because we have people in Australia and Toronto and which is the thing with all of the podcast, everything we you organize. I know Dario, you've organized things too with podcast studies. It's it's always the the issue is trying to make it worldwide. But um, I think we put the we put the panels up online um, for the people who were okay being recorded. Most of the panels are were put up online so that people who couldn't make it to the actual time the presentation was happening could still see them. And I still have links to those, but they're private now. So if you if anybody listening would still like to catch up, they you, they hear something interesting, they'd like to catch up on it. Um, I could probably I could make the link available so they could hear those presentations. 
Oh, that would be great. Yeah, maybe we can maybe we can put a link to that in the show notes and say people can either contact us or we can have a direct link or something like that. Great. So we've got to what what we we talked about in terms of doing an episode of new oral cultures on on the symposium was maybe getting the chairs to say a few things and introduce what happened within the within the panel. So this first bit of audio is the is about the first half of the the uh, symposium. So, so Alan, can, is it, can you just introduce who we're going to hear and what the panels were in the first half? Yeah, so um, we're going to hear from Freya Serene, Wakar Ahmed, and Martin Feld. And they're going to be talking about the panels Media and Narrative, Listening Praxis, and Defining Podcasting. So these were just the first three panels. We're here to discuss the recent podcasting studies symposium, a few panels. Uh, my name is Martin Feld and I'm joined by Freya and Wakai. How are you both? Yeah, doing I'm good. great, thank you. It's a great time in Denmark. The sun is shining outside. Yes, well, it's been a bit rainy here in Australia, so I'm a little bit uh, jealous of the Danish weather. So we have the challenge <laughs> of summarising a number of panels from this fantastic symposium within about 10 minutes. So I suppose we better get to it. I had the pleasure of introducing and chairing the first panel, which was all about media and narrative. So the first presenter in my particular panel was Anna Kofmacher, and the title of her topic was Fan Commentary Podcasts Scene by Scene, Almost Line by Line. Anna is exploring how creative fan labour and participatory culture in the podcasting subgenre of commentary podcasts works. Now, these podcasts, as she describes, are focusing on cult media texts, such as the Faulty Towers podcast, Twin Peaks Rewatch and Gilmore Guys. And she described it as best as I can understand as recoding a text that people are a fan of. What I found particularly interesting about this particular presentation by Anna is that she's approaching it from the perspective of a literary scholar who is using close analytical listening rather than being a media scholar. So her view of this and the way that fans are commentating and interacting with their texts comes from a literary angle. And that was particularly interesting. Moving on to the second speaker, we had Ella Waltman, and the title of her particular presentation was From Serial to S-Town, Hyperliterary Storytelling in Narrative Nonfiction Podcasts. So Ella's case study is the podcast S-Town, which she describes as an acoustic exploration of life in a small southern town, that's the American South. It was created by the producers of Serial and This American Life, and in a similar vein uh, with a literary perspective, Interestingly, these episodes, which were published in 2017, aren't referred to as episodes. The reporter refers to them as chapters, searching for the stories of the real South. Ella is particularly interested in the way that this powerful oral representation has to balance the authenticity that we come to expect from shared stories on podcasts with a more novelistic aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Speaker number three was P.A. Felton, and the title of Felton's presentation or podcasting topic is Allegory of the Garage, Performance and Performativity in Todd Glass's WTF with Mark Maron. Felton is exploring podcasting as a performance medium with the specific case study of Todd Glass's 2012 appearance on the show in which he announced that he was gay. 
Now, Felton explained that uh, this draws on a number of different concepts, such as Schechner's and Austin's notions of performance and performativity. I found a particularly interesting point in this, uh, not being an expert in uh, Felton's particular topic, was that uh, we need to question when does the performance, the performative utterance of the podcast actually begin and end? Is it framed within the podcast episode itself or does it extend beyond? And finally, we had speaker four, Jude McInerney, with the title, Irish Podcasting Publics, The Story of the Virtual Hug, Mental Health and Wellbeing. McInerney has been exploring how podcasting is generally an audio space that is dominated by men. So we have content that is being produced by men for male listeners. Interestingly, there's also the angle that the demographics with the highest instance of suicide in Ireland are engaging in this podcast production. And interesting examples such as the Blind Boy podcast cover a range of topics from mental health through to modern art. To sum up this uh, set of panels, this particular media and narrative thing, I was super astonished at just how diverse the approaches could be from media or literary perspectives. And uh, I was really thrilled to host this. I hope I've done justice to each of the, the topics and the presenters. I think you have. The whole panel kind of had that notion of uh, a texture to the podcasting, you know, the narrative and the storytelling and how they kind of are bringing on their own culture. It was fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Um, shall we move to the second of the panel? Thank you, Martin. It was a wonderful opportunity to chair a panel on listening praxis. The first presenter was Stacey Copland from University of Toronto. Her research topic is Archival Confessions, Podcasting as Reflexive Method for Feminist Research. Stacey Copland draws on her current doctoral work on lesbian and queer feminist identities in audio media to theorize podcast creation as reflexive feminine method. Stacy argue for podcast creation as reflexive method which centers in the sound, experiences, and agency of research subjects. And she's been calling on the researcher to continuously listen into their own effective and political agency in structures of knowledge formation. The second presenter in the listening praxis was Amalia Fernandez from Paris. Her topic was, Welcome to Night Vale. The fiction podcast as a modern reinvention of the oldest kind of storytelling. From the case study of Welcome to Night Vale, she argues that listening to Night Vale is like a literary exercise. This artistic expression of fear and loneliness and insignificance in the world is kind of a source of togetherness meaning and creation. What I found most interesting was her description that podcast uses new technology, new social and economical models, but it is altogether an extension of oldest kind of storytelling. The last presenter in my panel was Freya Sitter. His topic was the proximity of podcasts or what COVID-19 and memes have taught me about episodicity and orality. Freyrk has called the podcast as acquaintances, acquaintances that have not disappeared. And in his own words, the voice in the headphones is as close and distant to me at the same time as a person I greet joyfully, but never had goodbye. Yeah, that notion of re reflexivity is very important, isn't it? Uh, as you said in the first uh, speaker's presentation, because you can't really separate yourself from the study necessarily or the listening experience that you have as a researcher of this, would you agree? Absolutely. Reflexivity doesn't only just brings on the critical, you know, researcher aspect as well, but how we relate to the media as mm. subjects and researcher at the same time. Yeah. 
it was a really nice blend of different methodological approaches to um, to um, podcast listening studies. So that makes us to move to the third panel. Okay? <laughs> yeah, uh, and the most important panel. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Defining podcasting. Um, the first presenter, her name is Lil Sharon. She's from a Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And uh, she told us that slil actually means sound. So that's quite perfect for her, um, for her study area. Her paper was called Whatcast, Defining Podcast in a Fragmented Theoretical Landscape. And she presented three perspectives that podcast researchers can embrace when studying podcasting. So a technological approach, which is then often limited to the comparisons to radio, a formalistic approach, which mostly concerns certain audio genres, so not all the genres that podcasting can include. Uh, and then a social cultural approach, which is often about DIY cultures and participatory cultures. Slilla argue that we need an, some kind of an overarching approach to podcasting, which can unite these three theoretical perspectives and she concluded that maybe podcast listening could be this uh, connection. Um, the next presenters Anna Asciati and Valentina Gasaldo. their presentation was called Framework for Podcasting based on 21st century learning values. So they explored formal and informal education through the podcast medium or they argued that podcasts are useful for learning because they are accessible and they allow for individuality and diversity in learning and they can challenge the centralization of knowledge. Then the third presenter was Paul Stevens. He's a lecturer at Solon University and his paper title was Immersion, Remediation and the Experimental Establishing a Distinct Podcasting Identity. So he argued that even though podcasting is an opportunity for experimentation and diversity, due to the lack of gatekeeping, uh, too many podcasts actually sound like radio. And he argued that maybe um, what he called immersive new sound media could help podcasters into experimenting with sound. And then finally, Ellen Urit, she's a PhD at University Leipzig in Germany, presented her paper, Theorizing Power in Podcasting, Methodological Considerations Concerning Infrastructure and Discourse. Alan started defining podcasting as a network of actors. So this would be the industry, technologies, listeners, academics, critics. And then she used this actor network theory to discuss one key feature of podcasting, namely intimacy. And she described intimacy as the way information moves through the network of podcasting. So how podcasters communicate in an intimate way and how podcast listeners listen in an intimate way. So they, they all um, shed light on uh, defining podcasts in different ways. And, and I really enjoyed it. One thing that I found the, um, the diversity in theoretical approaches toward uh, thinking what podcasting is and what kind of uh, effect you know it it brings in uh, with the with the listeners really fascinating panel i'm glad you agree well i, I was just going to say uh, i think that whole question of defining podcasting as you were just saying then is 
is a really interesting one because I think a lot of people early on in that period of podcasting kind of thought that this is going to replace radio, but we fall back on radiogenic or radio style behaviors. And now we have these two different media, which are very closely related, but diverging. Formalization or the commercialization of podcast medium and changing its definition, its impact, its audiences altogether. So it's really fascinating, you know, the development that we have seen from considering it being a technology to actually a, a, what Stacy called a cultural process. And I think it's it's um it was interesting to to hear Stephen um, Paul Stevens to talk about maybe we should actually um, push the the podcast medium a bit because we have we had these new formats these new inspiring things that happened. Yes, and there is that effort really in producing podcasts or audio dramas or narratives or any kind of genre within this this field, which is different from just producing something on radio and pushing it out on demand. I think mm-hmm. there is that extra creative effort, like like you were just saying, Wakar, as well, that that cultural practice of putting something together that's purpose-built. It's a very fascinating time to study podcasting. And maybe you should just surf yourself. That's what yeah, uh, what Spinelli and Dan keeps writing in the book, right? That the well, just uh, the big successes they were made by the people who wanted to make something nice for themselves that they enjoyed themselves. I think that's a perfect point to finish on. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's been great to talk with both of you and, uh, and and share what we learned from the symposium. Thank you to the organisers and also for uh, featuring us on this yeah. podcast episode. So what's what was interesting to me is, especially when it, in referring to the, the the first panel, which is on media and narrative, is the way that podcasting draws upon classical notions of narrative structure and organization, i.e., you know, something as basic as the notion of the story. Yet, what also seemed to me was the the focus of of much of the work was the idea of podcasting research, either implicitly or explicitly alluding to the medium in terms of its discourses. So the stories it tells us about things like media processes or constructions of identity or about how information and knowledge is is structured. So it seems this sense of narrativizing is perhaps on the one hand, a test to the popularity of podcasts in this sort of fractured media world that we uh, that we're in right now. But also, you know, the research is kind of like a wider conception of what narrative and media is. The thing that's interesting to me studying podcasting is, I mean, obviously, it's just the interdisciplinary interdisciplinarity of it all, of the kind of research being done on podcasting and. I think looking at this panel, you have Anne and Ella who are coming from literary studies. Um, and I think I, I share with them because I work in a university with a, a bunch of narratologists. Um, and that's definitely part of my work too. I, I share with them kind of like this, this idea of narrative that's quite different than a lot of people who are coming at this from more of a, a practice perspective. And so for me, and Anne and I are, um, especially if you're looking at more of a formalist, narratological p- perspective, um, there is quite a bit in podcasting, but also in other forms of digital media that you can 
that you can look at how these stories are structured. So I, I don't know if I would say that narrative would be something that, that's very podcasting about it. Yeah, it's definitely bringing that across. You know, the, the, as you're saying, sort of Anna and Ella are, are drawing upon, as you say, the sort of an interdisciplinarity um, that, that podcasting perhaps affords in terms of drawing upon other you know, disciplinary areas. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the things that sort of comes across throughout the, the panels where people are, uh, are drawing from in, in, in that regard. But it's interesting how that sense of what stories is doing podcasting telling us about the way the media works and our relationships to the media is another sort of sense of the way that narrative is in being, being invoked is kind of what I was getting at there. It's also cool, like, there is something about how podcasting tells stories that, that is connected to other media and that also influences other media. So I think that sometimes when we're, we're all podcasting people talking together about podcasting, we tend to get really excited about um, things that are unique to podcasting and things like that. Um, but there are several papers here where it was really looking at how, not just how podcasting is unique within itself, but how it's connecting to these larger media environments and how um, influencing um, these other things. I know Frederick also works on Twitch. Like he's um, part of his master's thesis, talks about Twitch and the kinds of ways that conversations are constructed constructed on Twitch. And he uses research on podcasting and podcast narrative to study um, Twitch and this other media. So it's the research on podcasting is of course, very useful for podcasting, but it's also useful in media studies in general because there are there are connections to these to other kinds of media, obviously. Jeff, did you want to come in there? Is there anything that you wanted to sort of talk about that struck you about the first sort of three panels? I think the you guys, you know, I don't want to just echo what you guys are saying, but I think you know the the thing I find most interesting about podcasting and when we think that maybe narrative, because I'm also interested in that in my work, um, is this idea of how does the, not only how do our own perspectives influence how we approach these ideas, but how does the technology shape what narrative is? It kind of rewrites a definition of what narrative is, because if we look at, for example, um, you know, coming from like a, a literary background, we think of narrative in terms of like a story in a book and how does that apply to podcasting? And then you look at, you know, well, when it's just audio rather than written, you know, how can we evaluate audio using non-audio media? And I think that's a really interesting place, um, especially because, you know, the interdisciplinarity of podcasting, it really allows us to think about what's possible with podcasting. Um, that's one of the things, you know, when it comes to even research being done is that, you know, we often have that debate and we, we might talk about it later with defining podcasting, but this idea of like, what is podcasting, right? And I think it's really great that when we look at, for example, narrative structure, there is no right way to make a podcast narrative or there is no one way to do it. And I think that's really what this panel kind of speaks to is this idea of um, the openness of what podcasting affords. Especially if you look at like, I think if we're thinking about like themes for the conference or where things are going, I think it's also interesting to look at the variety of different podcasts being studied here um, and how it's not, it's not just like these 
I don't know what you could say a, a quality canon for podcasts are, um, but it's not. It goes beyond that um, to study a lot of different kinds of podcasts. Um, and I think if we're thinking about narrative, you can look at Anne and Wald, just the first two on the program there, Anne and Wald um, and Ella's papers and how they look at how Ella talks about narrative and how... Um, how S-Town is drawing on this idea of a novel with the chapters and things like that, um, and how Anne is talking about narrative in a completely different way with um, where she's talking about chat podcasts and fan fans chatting and how, how fans chat, how that constructs, the chat itself constructs a narrative. Um, and so you have these two different under uses of narratology, uses of narrative, just right there in those first two presentations. Um, one more about this connection to literature and the book, and the other one just looking at the podcast itself and the kinds of narratives it has without that the same kind of relationship to text. It's it's interesting mm. to me. Yeah, and th there's also this sense as well that the narrative perhaps plays in maybe more implicitly in in when we start thinking about the ways people listen and and you know just thinking about that second panel where you know this sense of whether you're whether you're a producer or a listener the the, the ways that podcasting is being used more and more as I don't know whether constructing the self is, you know, is the right right phrase, but that that sense of articulation or understanding in a reflexive way, where I p position my own identity, or you know, one positions their own identity, is something that I think is being used. And you know, Stacey's talked about this a lot in terms of the possibilities of of. Um, positioning a feminist self in terms of research using using podcasting and obviously you know your your work jeff ties ties into that quite quite strongly as well um i mean one of the things that's interesting to me is whether that is a that is more of just a sense in which the, that process is kind of happening in media more broadly and which it, which which it kind of is or it's being talked about as, as happening and what it is about podcasting that maybe is specific in offering those possibilities because I know we've, you know, I've talked an awful lot, and I think it's been discussed by many, many people about the way that podcasting seems to elicit this notion of self-reflexivity. So you don't just talk about the subject; you talk about why you're talking about a subject and what your relationship to it is, and that seems to be the the process that many podcasts operate under. I don't know, Jeff, have you got any any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think when you think of even just listening. This idea of when you're listening, you're sort of, even if you're doing it privately, there's this community building that happens. And, you know, from like a cultural studies perspective, when you're looking at community, there is some sort of identity there. And this idea, like you mentioned, identity construction, you know, for lack of a better term. So when it comes to listening, I think this idea of making the self, again, I don't know if that's a great term to use or a great phrase, but this idea that Podcasts, you know, offer people a chance to learn something about themselves, but also connect with others, which obviously goes to Alan's work, uh, I think, really wonderfully. Like you mentioned, Stacy's, uh, you know, presentation, looking at how can we think about our positionality in comparison to not only who's producing a podcast, but who else is listening. You know, I think there's really great potential in this idea of community building and not only, you know, community building in terms of like, uh, you know, everyone listening to the same thing, but how we listen differently to the same text, I find quite interesting. It's also interesting 
when you're talking about positioning yourself as a listener, I think it also just works really well with the project of graduate school and getting your getting a doctorate and becoming like moving from a student to like a researcher, like a professional, I guess, researcher. Um, and so much of that is about how you position yourself in relation to your sources and how you see the role of the researcher within the world, right? Um, and within, yeah. So I think that for me, it's something I'm still thinking about. But I think that for for me as a student who's almost gone through my doctorate working in podcast studies, it's been really helpful to be becoming a researcher among people who are listeners and who also think a lot about how they position themselves within this kind of public speech um, and how they position their research within that speech and how listening is part of research. Um, and so I think that that's been very helpful for me. It's not something I have a conclusion on. I don't know if it's something that's possible to have like a, a take home message on, but I think it's um, a useful thing to think about. And I thought that like this panel, I think there's something really beautiful to to it. Um, I think there's something really kind of beautiful and, and insightful about all of the papers on these panels um, and about how people, how you have three people here at different stages of the process and how they were all thinking about their experiences in relation to, to podcasts and to listening um, and how these podcasts affect them and how they are a part of these communities. Yeah. And it was, it was a really interesting panel for me to listen to, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and what you just said there earlier about sort of, self-reflexively looking at yourself as a researcher and a, and a, a voice in the public space, let's say, as an academic. You, you basically there just summarized what I'm writing about it for the, 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 the next book that, that's coming out that I'm doing with, with Laurie. That sort of sense for me of how moving into this new medium in terms of it being a, a method and a forum for academic practice in and of itself and the processes of trying to learn how to produce the medium and, and learn how to learn technologically the, the, the skills involved. But more than that, that sense of how it has redefined that sense of how I see myself as a, you know, an, an academic practitioner alongside being a theorist. These questions have been really, really important to me in trying to understand how and why podcasting has become so central to my kind of academic life and experience, really. And related to what you were saying kind of at the end there, that question of actually trying to define what podcasting is has obviously been key to the, the burgeoning discipline of podcast studies, and I think. And, and at your symposium, as at all symposiums and um, and conferences, and indeed in terms of the way that academic papers and journal articles and what have you are, are written, that sense of defining podcasting is still seen, rightly, I think, as something that, that we as a field and we as a discipline and we as individual scholars are having to deal with in relationship to how we're, we're placing podcast studies within wider interdisciplinary contexts, I think. Jeff? Yeah, so when it comes to defining podcasting in that panel, one of the things uh, I mentioned this earlier that has been difficult just for me is 
this idea of like what is podcasting and in comparison to these other media and i think that's really important to think about and i'm kind of you know uh, every time i i read even older podcast studies research like you know richard berry's work uh in the mid 2000s and this idea of like what is podcasting and you know often we hear about podcasting as having similar practices as radio but it's not the same thing because of maybe distribution you know jonathan stern's work has mentioned that it's also about how the audience engages in this relationship with the content and the podcaster and i think you know when it comes to this panel uh Zalil made a really interesting distinction and you know i don't want to to speak about her work you know but in terms of she's still working through these ideas but she kind of had these three perspectives of technological formalistic and sociocultural so even just within this approach to defining podcasting we have multiple definitions within that um you know there was also this idea Alan's work is really interesting when it comes to you know applying like actor network theory and this idea of how do all of these different components within let's say the podcast ecosystem how do they interact to create what is podcasting um so I don't have a great answer on you know you know maybe or a conclusion on what I think about the definition of podcasting is but I think it's important to keep engaging with these ideas because I think once you define podcasting as one thing, I think that really limits the possibilities about what it can be because it is still a fairly young medium, you know, and it still is growing. The, as far as defining podcasting goes, I think that there's the, just this feeling that this is a thing and this is a thing itself. And I want to study this thing. And, and then different people include different parts of that thing, depending on what's interesting to them about it. Um, and so I think that what's interesting to me is that I feel like we've gone to the point where we are all in the, the same conversation about what defining podcasting is. Um, and Lil's presentation really, I think, brought that to light because she really reviewed kind of this research that's being done and that has been done on defining podcasting. And she had these categories for it. And, it, and so I think that when I'm thinking about takeaways from the conference, I think that one of the takeaways from this panel would be that we are all finally having the same conversation. Um, we might be talking in different ways, um, but we are together in that we, there is this thing called podcasting and we are going about it, defining it in ways that are kind of best suited to our own projects and our own, the other kind of interests we have in studying podcasting. And I think that there's at some point, and I'm not going to say we're there, but I think there is going to be a point where it's just like, we are all going to define podcasting in slightly different ways because we have different research interests in podcasting. And so we need different, different definitions to get what we want from it. Um, and so we're just not going to agree 100% on everything. And that's okay because, you know, that's how that's how you learn things, right? That's how you you know, you, I need a different definition than, you know, Florini or for, from um, P.A. Felton and I were working in very different, with very different kind of methodology. So we need different definitions. But I think there's also that drive, I think, that comes from outside of academia in, in popular culture and the way that um, podcasting has kind of emerged into the digital media space. And 
obviously on the podcast we've talked quite a lot about the relationship between old media and and new media and so the obvious kind of tension is between podcasting and radio and obviously that gets talked about an an awful lot but I think you know for myself coming from a film background I'm always trying to sort of negotiate that idea of why it is I have forged this you know absolutely not obsessional but but you know very clear interest in podcasting what it and what it offers as opposed to something like film or television or radio but maybe the kind of discourses around what podcasting is comes more even strongly from kind of wider journalistic and industry perspectives because you know the medium is yet to to have the the, the kind of historical social and, and and cultural and cultural grounding that traditional media has well it's it's interesting you said that like the the drive to to say what podcasts are like podcasting is doesn't come from academia but i definitely felt that because when i like um when I started presenting on podcasting, I would present with people who had no idea what I was talking about at all. Sometimes like I had to like, I had like a thing where I would just literally like screen share my phone to say, this is a podcast. Like, um, so it's kind of shifted. And I know from the first conference, I know you, you had to do that before Dario too. And I, I think it's like how much, podcasting has entered this mainstream that we don't have to do that anymore. Um, but at the beginning of my pro- project, I definitely needed to define podcasting. I needed to define it in that that really basic, this is what a podcast is um, kind of way. But I also needed to have a definition in order to do kind of academic work on it. So if I study podcasting, what is the podcasting you're studying? I think it's also difficult to uh define podcasting because when we think like in terms of what you're talking about dario and in terms of this like popular culture ways that you know like a television we can physically see it a radio we can physically see it and know what's coming out of it but when it comes to podcasting there's like this you know although it does obviously resemble radio and that it's audio there's not one machine that plays podcasts it can really come from anywhere because that's one thing you know when i try to think of podcasting or explain it to people you know, it's always like there's there's so much possibility with, you know, how to produce it, how to listen to it, how to distribute it, that I don't think there is that clear cut definition similar to like television, radio, newspapers and these older forms of media. But see, television has its stuff, too, because like like Amanda Lotz talks about this, about television being what is television? Is television a box? Is television, because we have Netflix, they're streaming, there's all of these different things. So what what exactly is TV? Um, remember made for TV movies? Like, <laughs> how does that work in with the Netflix world? Um, but I don't, I think that, and then radio, what, defining radio is not just the box. There's like Spotify has a thing, start radio. So like what, radio is what television is these are also um things that are difficult to define and that uh, there's been a lot of research defining them so but to me that the, there is that sense that we still have to take account of the the, the history of pre-digital media definitions and the way in which you know television and cinema and radio are wed- wedded to particular technologies and particular configurations of those technologies Particularly, I'm thinking here of you know the idea of going to the cinema as as an experience, and um, and those media have all um, had to deal with this transitional phase as we've moved into the digital internet er- era. And it's just interesting to me how 
podcasting has emerged from that cauldron and takes on elements of old media configurations and old old media old media practices let's say but it's firmly grounded within a kind of you know a new media infrastructure and you know this is a lot of what I've talked about in the past in terms of in terms of it occupying a kind of liminal space but I do want to get onto our second piece of audio which focuses on the the second half of the of the symposium so Jeff do you want to just introduce what we're going to listen to now yeah sure so we have Neela Heiser and Tegan Bratcher Neela is an independent researcher and Tegan is a student at the University of North Carolina. They're going to be discussing basically marginalized perspectives in podcasting and Neela's panel was on approaches to journalism. Hi, Neela. I'm excited to talk to you. I am Tegan Bratcher. I am a PhD student, um, a third year student and a candidate actually at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in the US. Um, And I study podcasting, specifically um, how Black folks in America use podcasting and kind of other things related to Paul Calm, public relations, and all the aspects of podcasting. Hi, Tegan. That's uh, great to hear. I saw your talk. We hear about it in a second. Um, I'm Nele. I'm an independent media researcher from Germany, so not affiliated with any institution. And, but I'm also an advisor for media organizations when it comes to digital media, but also podcasting as well. And I'm like an observer of the podosphere here in Germany for quite a few years now. And yeah, I'm always excited uh, to hear about new uh, research projects on podcasting because uh, this whole scene of uh, research in this area has developed so much in the past Mm -hmm. year. So very excited to be part of this symposium. Yeah, for sure. I remember um, you at out at the talk that I was at and the good conver- the great conversation even that we had. So I was said I didn't get to get to some of the other um, symposium, you know, panels that went on that day, but I'm sure, you know, the podcast will talk a lot about those. But I'll go ahead and just kind of start with the podcasting and marginalized perspectives panel that I was a part of. And so I shared uh, my research called Podcast Publics, Understanding Podcasts as Counterpublics in Rhetorical Spaces. And um, I did so alongside Jeff Donaldson, uh, whose paper was entitled Sound Identity and Representation in Canadian Minority Podcasting, as well as Ariel Smith, uh, whose paper was called The Revolution Will Be Mobilized and Podcasted. Interrogating the Food Truck Scholar Podcast Influence in Changing the Black Food Trucker Narrative. So um, the what was really interesting to me um, with the panel that I was on was how closely related all our work was. And really, I think the underlying message for at least us three was, you know, how do podcasts create this avenue or create this space for marginalized groups to kind of have another space, right? And even though Ariel's was a little more 
focused on the scholarship maybe of uh, food, food, how food truckers are using podcasting and kind of activism and scholarship, it was still kind of aimed at, you know, how podcasting really is a, a platform for, for folks who didn't have a voice or, sorry, I shouldn't say that because I remember Ariel talked about that, right? Or who didn't have the means <laughs> to project their voice, right? Before in mass media. And I thought that was like really the the kind of the basis of our panel. And I and I loved how the threads between what Jeff talked about in sound and identity um, and how, you know, even sound down to like the audio and how we're hearing things really uh, was nice, a nice fit with how kind of like how I study podcasts, right? And so how I'm looking at or listening to rhetoric and how language is presented and how cultural traditions and cultural languages are presented on podcasts was really was really great to see those different perspectives from Ariel and Jeff, but also, you know, having a similar um, line of research. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I really enjoyed the panel um, and the food truck uh, topic was really making waves. <laughs> a lot of people enjoyed yeah. it uh, a lot because it points to so many cultural, uh, very interesting cultural elements as yeah. well. And I think part of one part of the conversation was also about the question of independence and how marginalized voices and communities are integrated in the maybe in the legacy media or, or public service media, I think, and how they are presented there and um, how, mm -hmm. maybe how it is different from doing it on your own, right, uh, as an independent producer as well. So there are some very interesting dynamics uh, going on there as well. But I really enjoyed your panel. It's uh, it's very good to see that more research uh, on marginalized uh, communities and, and their representation on podcasting is coming out. Yes, and Tegan, how far are you with your project? <laughs> I wanted to ask. I am actually finishing the project. And so I, um, I had completed the analysis on podcasts and I changed the method a little bit to be a little bit more interdisciplinary and kind of focus on critical cultural theories. Um, and which is really important, you know, when you're studying diverse groups, even through media. And so I'm finished, uh, I finished analyses and I'm, you know, just kind of writing up and trying to see what the next steps are. So we need to follow your research. And I saw you have a website and uh, yes. some of your publications are on there as well. So cool. Yeah, congrats yes. on coming so far. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. I never completed a PhD, so <laughs> there's yeah. a, that's another story for another podcast. Um, yeah, maybe um, related to uh, the the representation media is the question of uh, how uh, yeah how can we do research on approaches to journalism, which was yeah. my panel. I was the host of the panel five um, it was the last panel a uh, very late long day <laughs> but it was a very interesting uh, one and we've ha had four presentations um, the first one was by Dylan Bird he's from Swinburne University in uh, in Melbourne and he talked about ordinary people's listening podcast journalism democracy and socially oriented media practice so this was the first uh, presentation then we had Max Modell he is doing his PhD at Cardiff University on media logics of news podcasts and the defining norms and values of the daily then we had Lucas 
Herzog, Herzog, um, who's from Germany, like me, <laughs> and um, he talked about uh, journalistic podcasting between diversion and knowledge acquisition, um, which he is uh, studying at the Gutenberg University in Mainz in Germany. And then the last one was Maeve Warnock-Sheehan from Columbia University in New York, and she talked about literacy criticism, literary criticism, I'm sorry, and podcasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was the last panel and I think was was very interesting um, were these different approaches towards um, uh, podcasting and journalism in the sense that, um, yeah, we know that a lot of uh, journalistic podcasts uh, make uh, are important part of the podcasting mainstream, so to speak, yeah, like mm -hmm. legacy media like New York Times and public service media for here in Europe, they are really uh, relevant when it comes to podcasting. And what I found interesting um, in Dylan's talk, he um, raises in his research, he says he raises questions about the medium's demo democratic potential, right? Mm -hmm. He looks uh, from various methodological perspectives uh, on this and his approach is interesting because he's not only studying uh, podcasts, but he's also producing podcasts with mm -hmm. people um, in specific areas in, in, in Australia. So uh, he's working with a community radio station and they try to find out what um, maybe podcasting rooted in journalistic organizations can bring to communities. Uh, what is the added value and what is, maybe is the say of the audience when it comes to the creation and the, the, the service podcast can bring to these communities. And this is um, a bit more experimental when it comes to method, but it's, I think it's really uh, important mm -hmm. to think about what uh, maybe gap uh, podcasts could potentially fill, right, when it comes to um, democratic spaces in media uh, at large and really looking forward uh, to his findings there. It's more mm -hmm. practice-related research. And Max uh, model, he will look at the daily and he will do a close textual analysis uh, mm -hmm. of the daily. I think the daily is maybe the, one of the most successful podcasts uh, globally mm -hmm. and his aim is to look at what yeah what journalistic roles and narrative structures are visible there and which conventions the daily does follow so um, they do present themselves as a certain kind of journalism and what's happening in the format itself is, is another question maybe and he wants to look at this and, and compare these and then uh, Lucas's work is more from the interested in the audience side so how does the audience how do the listeners perceive the different types of journalism specifically policy related journalism news journalism and how uh, does the role of these interpersonal relationships and the intimacy of listening play into what we perceive as journalism there and yeah, I, I think uh, this really makes sense when you tie it together. Unfortunately, Maeve did not have the chance to talk a lot. I think maybe some technical issues there, but her uh, questions are also very interesting. Um, they aimed at the, um, the role of criticism of podcasts, right? And, and what, uh, what we need when it comes to understanding quality in podcasting, when it comes to recommendation, which positions do critics of podcasting have actually, and what what should they 
what should their criticism look like to to provide a service but also a cultural and a different and variant cultural understanding of the medium and various types of this medium so um very much looking forward to what she comes up uh, with next uh, there as well so this was a short overview over the yeah. talk, over the, the, the presentations. I'm sorry, quite long. Oh, <laughs> we no. have time restrictions here, but maybe you have some questions there, Tegan, for me as well. Yeah, that all sounds super interesting. I wish I would have had a chance to attend that session. And I guess for you know our last minute or so, I I was wondering if anyone offered any ideas for what the future of maybe like journalism and podcasting would look like if any of the, the the panelists had any you know implications for the future or you know what the what the medium um you know is going to do for journalism i think uh they were everyone was sure that uh podcasting has a very robust standing in yeah. journalism right because mm -hmm. if you think about business models, uh, financing of journalism, then podcasting might be, especially for younger audiences, uh, a very important uh, strand maybe of journalism in general, right. especially in digital media spheres. But we also thought about uh, the, the professionalization, right? Mm -hmm. uh, podcasts uh, and journalism as a profession, what are the standards? How can we maybe critique and discuss what's happening in the formats, uh, what kinds of journalism is developing there. And I think uh, that brought us back to the values and norms and the dem democratic role of journalism in general and yeah. podcasting has a play there, to, uh, role there to play. And I think just uh, everyone agreed on that. But yeah, again, as everywhere in journalism, the question of sustainability of financing is also a very important mm -hmm. one. Um, also when it comes to the quality of the product and understanding what an audience needs and wants from podcasting in particular. I mean, this has to do with your panel as well, right? Mm -hmm. With representation and and more spaces for more, more diverse perspectives um, mm -hmm. where everyone would agree. I'd say that podcasting is a fantastic opportunity. Um, but needs close uh, close observation <laughs> from yeah, the outside yeah. as well. Right? I agree. I think that's what's so exciting too about what the symposium talked about and just all the scholars kind of so many different angles to understand podcasting, right? In so many different ways and avenues and fields. And so I'm just excited about the future of studying podcasts and, and what scholarship has to say about it next. Yeah, and particularly uh, when it comes to methods, right? Um, yeah, oh yeah. Perspectives use and how we can really study it and maybe find some maybe more interesting and more exciting methods to, to, to grasp what podcasting actually is for different communities. Definitely, definitely. All right, Tegan. It was nice talking to you. It was great <laughs> talking to you, especially about the symposium yeah let's hope um everything is uh bright in our futures professionally as well as personally it will be and yes. it was nice talking to you team it was nice talking to you and i wish you the best of luck in your digital media studies and your career thank you the same to you and greetings over the pond <laughs>
So again, a really interesting appraisal of the final two panels from Tegan and Neela there. And the two, the final two panels were, were entitled Podcasting as Marginalized Perspectives and the final panel was Approaches to Journalism. But just talking, Jeff, about the panel on Marginalized Perspectives, which obviously you were a part of. And I think it's it's clear just how much, you know, the idea of analyzing podcasting and the idealized perspective that it is this open democratic forum in which identities and voices can adopt the medium in order to discuss issues around anything sort of uh, politics, culture and society, if you want to use those broadest terms, but more specifically the idea of, of the notion of diversity and the sense in which constructing one's own relationship to media and the world is afforded, is potentially afforded through podcasting in a way that it isn't afforded through other more traditional media. And it relates very much to what you were talking about before about the democratic potential of podcasting. But I just wondered, I just wondered, is this coming from a sort of broader political concern that we can see at the forefront of wider media discourses and broad social and cultural advocacy for that matter? Or is this a critique that podcasting as a medium, and now that it's becoming a more formalized industry, needs to be looked at more critically in terms of the assumptions that it is a sort of diverse, progressive medium in and of itself, because it has this more open source, non-mainstream development? Yeah, I think it speaks to to both of those points that you make. Um, you know, when we think of this idea of like marginalized publics, when it comes from a broader media studies standpoint, you know, people kind of see the internet and podcasting as this, as I mentioned earlier, this kind of democratic medium. Um, and I think it does offer, you know, people relatively low barriers for access. Right now, the the digital divide is still a thing, and that's something I think needs to be critically engaged with more. People often, I think, take it for granted that the internet automatically gives everyone a voice or offers a platform for everyone to have a voice. But podcasting compared to many other media does actually give this opportunity. Now, what you mentioned about this critique of podcasting, which I think is reflected in this panel really well, is how are marginalized publics in control of their own representation and their own identity? Because in many of these, you know, mainstream media products like you know television and radio it's often dominant groups you know white groups frankly that are speaking for these marginalized publics now marginalized publics of course can refer to not just race and ethnicity but i think when it comes to podcasting we have this chance to look at how are people able to speak for themselves now you mentioned this idea of when it comes to distribution or who's actually being heard, um, that's a really critical question that I think this panel brought up really well. I mean, Tegan's research is looking at how are people using language to articulate their identity, which is very similar to what I'm interested in. And uh, Ariel's presentation was on food truckers and this idea of how can we open up a space for these stories that we wouldn't hear otherwise, because you know, these types of stories might not be heard in traditional media, but podcasting, especially because it's relatively unregulated, there's opportunity for people to produce what they want. I think the question still remains, you know, is that democratic, you know, opportunity still there for everyone? Because of course, it's not only, you know, 
what people want to produce, but you know, it, there's also constraints from, for example, are you producing a podcast for a particular um, organization and what restraints or what constraints do they have on the product itself? Um, so yeah, I think that that idea of critically engaging with this idea of the democratic podcast is a really interesting one and is really just at the beginning. Well, I mean, just picking up on on this conversation, it's interesting. There is also value for people within a community to talk with each other. And I think that there um, there are examples of that in in that panel. Um, and at the same time, I what I when we're talking about these niche niches and everything, the thing that comes up to me for me that I've been thinking about a lot recently is um, the rise of kind of on the other side of far right podcasting um, and the definite need for more research on that if you are looking for a project. Um, because as much as um, I can enjoy being in my my own weird little niche in podcasting, there are other people out there enjoying being in other niches that I wouldn't, you know, that are on the far right and that might have issues like with the you know, the January 6th insurrection in the U.S. and, and things like that. So I, I think that that when we think about these kind of potentials for podcasting and speaking to one's own community, we need to, there are different ways of thinking about that. There are good things and there are bad things about thinking about it. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm always kind of concerned when I'm thinking about podcasting about this sort of wider critique of digital media culture creating silos and ecosystems that we're all we all end up talking to people who essentially we already agree with and and I think you're absolutely right Alan that that the idea that the the sense in which podcasting provides a sense in, in which there's a sort of a way of defining the parameters of community and the way of self-reflexively engaging with where one sits in a particular environment and that could be kind of a you know a broad environment in terms of you know how you construct your racial identity or your gender identity for example but also the way in which podcasts are are utilized for to engage with certain kinds of experiences that are aimed at specific audiences is obviously completely valid but i just yeah i just always trying to engage with the idea that we are we do seemingly find it more difficult to to have conversations that are accepting of opinions that are that are maybe contradictory to what we think so for me the the ideal of the podcast is, is it is that it it provides a space for that so it's just an interesting conundrum i think when we think about that idea of what the democratic potential of podcasting actually is i think it's one of the key questions that comes off of the back of the symposium but also so yeah, I just wondered, you know, if there was anything else that you you thought um, emerged from the research that was talked about as a whole that made you think, yeah, these are going to be key debates going forward when we talk about podcasting. I, actually, I think that we barely touched on the last panel, and I think it kind of makes sense here because you have Lucas and Dylan in their presentations. They talk about journalistic podcasting and different ways that journalists can use podcasting to communicate to these different groups of people and to make them, for, with Dylan's um, presentation, it was a lot about practice and democracy and how journalists can kind of help these conversations develop. And so we're, 
we need to examine the problems, but we also have people like, you know, like Dylan and Lucas who are, um, who are looking at podcasting practice as, from a journalistic perspective and how, how we can kind of, I don't know, I guess bridge these gaps in a way um, or make people feel like their voice can be heard. Yeah, so when it comes to that idea of, um, like just to kind of go off of what Alan's mentioning, like this podcast panel on journalism, I thought was really important because there are many different approaches to journalism, especially in a global context. Um, so this idea of like, I thought the main kind of theme was what is the democratic potential for podcasting? And I think this relates well to the panel on marginalized publics because both panels are considering, you know, podcasting's online existence and this debate about the internet's ideal of equal access and participation. So when it comes to podcasting, I think we can also see it as how are people from, you know, other fields or who are not just podcasters how are they using this tool to engage with their audiences or to open up new avenues of producing work? And I think journalism, we're seeing increasingly more podcasts about, you know, daily news and political events and stuff like that. So I think when it comes to journalism and kind of the, the still growing up of uh, podcasting, we're seeing how can this medium be used in other forms of practice that favored other media. And I think that's really uh, a lot of work I think is gonna come out of there in the near future. So Alan, Jeff, thanks so much for taking so much time out to talk about the uh, symposium and your work. And of course, good luck in the future with Alan getting to the end of your PhD and Jeff with your continuing studies as it, as it goes on. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you.